0: today we're uh, talking about our relationship with the church. Uh, I thought it was poignant as we went through this series to talk about this. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, we hope that this is a big part of your life. Uh, And, you know, relationship with the church can be complicated sometimes. Uh, It can have highs and lows and uh, it can have parts where we feel really engaged and parts where we feel really drawn back. And so we want to we talk about that. And it's especially, I think, appropriate on a day like today where we're going to have our AFM tonight and, and talk about things and go through all of that sort of stuff. And, and so as we, we prepare ourselves to consider these things, I just want you to take a moment and just ask yourself, what is my relationship with the church like right now? How do I feel about the church? What's going on? You know, my personal church experience has changed a lot over the years. Uh, I first attended church when I was uh, about eight years old. Uh, some dramatic things had happened in my family's life, and that led uh, my mom taking my brother and I to church. And I just remember the first time going in. Uh, to this little Moravian church in a, a suburban community in Alberta, and the doors open, and I was like, "What is going on?" <laughs> it was a weird. It was a weird place. People were singing. I had no idea why. People were closing their eyes and talking out loud. Even more questions. I was like, "What is going on?" And that journey has led me to all sorts of different places. It led me to being a really passionate teen who just loved the Lord and. And, and right from the time I was 11 years old, feeling called to go out and serve him, and I went and, and served uh, in, in some missions uh, at 11 years old without my parents. And it's led me to other places which haven't been such high moments where it's been really, really hard. I've been a part of, of church families that, yes, some have been healthy, but but some have been really negative and ugly and 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 hard times i've gone through periods where i've been discouraged by what the church looks like and and feeling like that that's not what god wants going on i've had seasons where i've been a regular church attender i've had seasons where i have well not attended quite so regularly and and all this has gone on over the last number of decades as i've tried to follow god for the last 12 years, though, I've had a very interesting relationship with the church because I stepped into sort of vocational ministry of becoming a pastor. And and so suddenly my world changed and the church became, in a, in a large way, the whole of my life. It wasn't just a place I would come uh, for, for spiritual growth or personal growth. It, it's become a place that encompasses all. It's my work. It's my play. It's my friends. It's the people I minister to. And, and so there's a lot going on. I've had opportunity to uh, to worship in churches all around the world, uh, to worship with churches of different denominations. I've had opportunity to, to be invited into worshiping with the, the persecuted church in Asia, underground church. And I've had opportunities to worship with the most charismatic and wild churches. That's the biggest party ever going on. And I've had the opportunity to be a part of everything in between. And And, you know, as much as it's had its ups and downs, one of the things that I've been learning in my pursuit of Jesus is how beautiful the church is. Not necessarily always because of what's going on, but because of who Jesus is and what he invites us into. I'm really thankful that as I've kind of gone through this journey, that God has spoken through his word uh, about what, what church can be, about what church should be if we would all invest into what God wants to bring about in the world. And so I want to invite you today to a chapter of the Bible, which explores a little bit of all of this, and it's Ephesians chapter 2. And so if you've got your Bible, uh, I'd encourage you to turn with me there. We're going to go through that whole chapter and just sort of pick out today a few things, four different sort of key ideas or phrases that give us a picture of what our relationship to the church should look like or could look like. And I hope today that as we do that, it's sort of an invitation to come on in to what God has and what he wants to go on. But as as we're thinking about that, I just want to first start with sort of a few little images of what church might be for you. As you thought about sort of what's my picture of the church, what's my relationship, you might have found yourself in in one of a number of different places. I've stole these images from a pastor down south named Tom Nelson. He kind of cooked these up as, as a way for us to sort of think about the different relationships we might have with the church as we are sort of interacting in this season. The first thing he said is that church for some of us might feel like a gas station. Feels like that kind of place where we come when uh, the E happens on our spiritual gauge in our life, and so we go to sort of fuel up. It's a place we worship, we hear hopefully a decent sermon, our kids get fed, and then we move on. For others, we might be in a place where a relationship's a little bit more like a movie theater. You know, you go to the movies sometimes to just step out of reality and into something else. Kind of the movie theater is a great place to just sort of leave what's going on at the door. And be invited into sort of an alternative world. And that helps us to sort of uh, disengage in a bit of a different way. And so sometimes church can be like that for us. A third thing that it perhaps could be is something more like a pharmacy. It's not just somewhere that we, we swing by to get something quick, but it's a place we visit time and time again to fill our prescriptions, to perhaps deal with some of the pain we've got going on, to deal with some of the sickness of our life. And it's this place where we come to get advice and get the things that we need and to experience some sort of cure for what ails us. For others, though, our relationship might look a little bit more like a big box store. It's that place that you go and it has programs and things for your whole family that you can get all for one low, low cost. Which one do you resonate most with? There's no wrong answer in this. I think they're all great pictures. They all give an aspect, an element of what church can be. And they're all actually important things. Those are all good places to enter into at different points in our life. As you identify what it is, I'd ask you to ask yourself as well, what else is going on? What am I missing? What am I ignoring? What part of church have I not been to in a while? All of these pictures capture some truth of what the church is, but they also miss out on the fullness of what it is. The word church in and of itself should be a clue for us for what should be going on. Now, the word church is an English word that's translated from a Greek word that we read about in the New Testament. It's this ch- word called ecclesia, ecclesia, which means a people who are called out to gather together. Sometimes, if you were to look this up, you would just see uh, the term Assembly or a gathering, just a milling about of people. And and the word certainly can be used that way, but what I like is this one definition we see on the screen. The church is a people who are called out of something to gather together. And that's actually what we see going on in Ephesians chapter 2. As we go into this chapter, I want you to just sort of pay attention to something that goes on. This invitation from an individual way of living into something more where the people of God are gathered together. This invitation into something isn't just an invitation into one of sort of these four pictures, but it's an invitation into something much bigger than that. And I'm going to pick four alternative pictures out of the text today, even though I could pick from a whole list more. But I would encourage you to sort of just resonate with what Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus long ago and by extension to us let's read how it goes Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus he says as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient all of us have also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace, then, that you have been saved. This is what we've been singing about this morning. It says, "...and God raised us up with Christ and has seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus." in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So you have this picture of the individual being called now let's see what, how he carries on. It says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done by human hands. Remember that at a time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of his promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now this chapter is really famous, and and essentially in the book of Ephesus, what Paul has going on is he tries to give the whole book of Romans, which we know is this great theological book, in a condensed version. He gives us the whole gospel, the whole picture of what the church is, and he really sandwiches it all together. And we could probably spend a month long just going through Ephesians chapter 2. And I encourage you, maybe as you consider this, if it's something you want to explore, to just spend time in this chapter. Hear what's going on. Paul wants to speak about our, our salvation and our bringing us into God's family. But he also gives some word pictures then about what that looks like. What's going on when we come in to this called out group of people who gather together. We see, and I want to pick up on these four key phrases or four kind of key ideas, uh, what's going on. First, that, that we're a people who are called out. That's what the church is. And so our relationship needs to come from that. Second, we're called fellow citizens. And so there's something going on there. Third, that we're a building that's been joined together, and fourth, that we're a dwelling place for the Lord by his Spirit. And so we're just going to go through each one of those four things, and as we do, I want you to kind of get a sense for where you are in your relationship to that concept with the church. Where do you fit these things into your life and how you view perhaps what we're doing today or what we do all the time repetitively or maybe you're new and you're looking for a new church this is what we're inviting you into and you should know that that's what's going on so the first thing we see in in verse 1 to 10 is what the church is is again this people who have been called out we've been called out of the world Paul says you've been called out from a different way of living into a new life In verse 10, we see this explanation of the good news of who Jesus is. We see that Jesus came from heaven to earth and through the work of the Holy Spirit, he's allowed us to have faith in him because he graciously loves us and wants us to move from a place where we're basically going headlong into self-destruction to a place where we can become a part of his family and experience all that he would have for us. This is the sense of what church should be, a people who are different from the world. It's really sad to say that quite often the church doesn't look all that different from some sort of country club or sports association. We, tr- we, we sometimes don't even treat the church as much more than just a bunch of casual acquaintances who have kind of come together for some reason that, that maybe scratches an itch a little bit. Not all that different than you know, going to a sports association, sort of scratching that itch by joining a club so I can stretch my muscles. Or joining a, a book club so I can stretch my mind. And, and we kind of say, okay, that's what's going on. But because we treat it that way, we end up in this place where it just becomes social. And that actually robs us of the true fundamental nature of what the church is. The church is actually people who were pulled out of the world to do something different, to be something different. And I think one of the problems that happens first and foremost that moves us to a place where we begin to see ourselves more as a club than as a people who are called, is that we begin to lose the wonder of who's around us. A lot of our meh about church comes from our lack of regard and view for those who are sitting next to us, those who are gathered upstairs and in the nursery and all over this place. I believe in part the gathering of God's people is meant to keep us wondering, to keep us imagining what God can do. It's meant to excite us and to encourage us. You know, when we gather in this room with a couple hundred of us, there's a couple hundred stories of what God has done. There's a couple hundred stories of people who were far from God, who were enemies of him, who were hell-bent on destruction, that's where we're going, and then God has rescued us from that and brought us into something else. That should be exciting. That should change what's going on. It changed something for me this morning. I actually ended up sitting this morning before service with a a friend, uh, and we were just sitting down, and And she was sharing with me some of what's going on and where God was at work in her life and how she's seen God been at work particularly over the last couple years. And and you know what was exciting for me is that as I heard this story, something went on for me. I might have been feeling a little bit mad coming in and then all of a sudden, as I hear the story, as I see the goodness of God flowing through her life, something turns on. Man, it's good to be in this place. It's great to be here because I get to catch up with my friend who's sharing what the Lord has going on. There's more of this picture as Paul talks in verses 11 to 18. We read about these two groups that we have and if we've been part of the church a long time we've heard the the terms right the Jews and the Gentiles the non-Jews who were divided in in their understanding of God and felt separated as two people groups and but there's this picture that through Jesus two groups of people who would never be together in any other sort of setting except for a worldly bad one would ever come together and worship God. And you know what? That's the other beautiful thing that happens in this room every single Sunday. That's the beautiful thing that happens in community groups all through the week long. That's the beautiful thing that happens here Wednesday night is the youth group gathers together. There's people from all sorts of walks of life who it would be impossible to picture together in any sort of place except for the place where something's going on with God. I mean, as I look around this room each week, I am continually astonished by the fact that this place gathers together people who have nothing else in common. I mean, we have people in this church who are on the left and right politically, We have people who are on the left and right socially. We have people from different economic backgrounds. We have people from different religious backgrounds and ethnic backgrounds and different sectors of work that would never merge. And we, in many ways, have a room full of people who agree on virtually nothing except the goodness of God and what God can do. And I think that when we can change our attitude to take hold of that truth, that, wow, I get to come into a place that God has enabled me to come to, alongside of a whole lot of other people who don't deserve to be gathered together, we can see something beautiful from God. I would encourage you to get to know other people in this place. If church is feeling meh to you, perhaps you've even been here for a really long time and you know sort of your group, you end up in this place where it's kind of like, well, there's not really much going on. Or, I, you know, I'm in a community group with that person and they complain about the same thing every week. So, you know, what's, you know. no, community group's great. But, you know, sometimes we've got to zoom out. Sometimes we've got to meet the other people in the room. And there's a freshness that comes with that. There's an invitation in to see more of what God has going on. And not only is it something new, but it's also something that helps us with the ebb and flow. We've all been there, right? Where we're ebbing and flowing in our spiritual life and sometimes you really just feel like things are going and and God's working and you're excited and then other times you sort of feel like you're pulled back and reserved and just beating up against the rocks. Well, one of the exciting things that can happen is that when one of us or some of us are ebbing, that there's others flowing. And what's beautiful is that when we reach out, we get pulled out into the slipstream quite often. I was trained as a rafting guide and one of the things that we were often encouraged to do if we wanted a little bit of excitement was to sit on the edge of an eddy. An eddy is the back pool of water. And they said, when you want to feel a rush of excitement, just dive into an eddy and then hold on. Allow yourself to get comfortable and then slowly edge yourself to the edge of the water. Feel it rushing beside you. And then when you're ready, just stick out an arm. If you do this in classified rapids, let me tell you, it is the most exhilarating thing that's ever gone on. You get sucked out immediately into the flow of what's happening in the river. It brings you to life as the cold water rushes around you as you come up and down in the troughs of the rapids. The same thing is true in our spiritual life. When we allow ourselves to sort of warm up and brush up against the flow of what the Spirit's doing in someone's life, we often can find that there's this moment where we can reach out and grab on. As we're sucked out into the river of what's going on in our church, we see this reinvigoration of what's going on. Every Sunday, there's an invitation here this place every week in your community group there's an invitation in to experience this if church is feeling a little blah get to know someone hear more of their story find out what's going on it's a beautiful picture but Paul doesn't leave it there he goes on and he gives us some more pictures in verse 19 we see that he gives us this picture of being fellow citizens You know, oftentimes when we come to think about church and what we want from a church and where we fit in with the church, we think very much about ourselves. We're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it, certainly, where we kind of focus on things, our our individual self, and what does this mean for me, and what am I going to get, and and how is this going to to fill me up, but the, the reality is church isn't about us. It's actually about all of us together but more important than that it's about the king of the kingdom we're invited with this language to think of ourselves in a new way when we're part of the church we're invited to think of ourselves as citizens of god's kingdom one of many who's called together to work for the flourishing of their god what a good citizen does. A good citizen, especially if you were to step back into the world that Paul's writing from, is a person who has an allegiance to a leader who is above them. Whether that's an emperor or a king or the ruler of a region or whatever they may be experiencing wherever they were in the world, but your job in that was to be someone who partnered with those alongside you to see the flourishing of the kingdom. It wasn't ever about the citizens. It was about the ruler, and they're the ones who controlled what was going on. We don't like this part of the Bible. I don't, at least. But the truth is, the central figure is never meant to be me or you in the church. It's meant to be God. The benefits we reap aren't the things that you and I are looking for. They're the things that God's looking for. Now, that's not to say we don't benefit from the fruit of what's going on. God invites us to be a part of his work, and he brings joy to us as we follow him. He gives us hope and peace and contentment as we join him in the work. But really, the benefit we receive is more of the kingdom on earth. There's this invitation by Jesus. He says, I want you to join me in bringing the fullness of my kingdom from where it is to the expanded reach in a different, more tangible way. It's already there, but in a tangible way across the earth. And that should bring us a lot of joy. But it also should give us a lot of context. It should be this reminder that what we have going on and what we want to receive ultimately comes from working together. shouldering the responsibility of expanding the kingdom with one another tim keller writes we live in a culture in which the interests and desires of the individual take precedence over those in a family group or community as a result a high percentage of people want to achieve spiritual growth without losing their independence to a church or organized institution he goes on and says, there is no way you will ever be able to grow spiritually apart from the deep involvement in a community of other believers. You know, how we're often built up isn't in our own strength. It's actually very rarely that we're able to keep things going on for us spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, if we're in isolation or just get going after what our wants are. But our fulfillment actually comes in partnering with others and serving others and allowing the kingdom of God to come. 1 Peter 4.10 says each one should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. When we begin to see ourselves as co-workers, when we begin to work with one another Towards what's going on both in this church and outside of it, we actually minister to one another. We actually help each other to experience more of God's grace. Are you discontent with what's going on with the church and what you're getting out of it? Well, the problem, maybe, not always. You decide. But you're looking more to receive than to give, and you're actually robbing yourself in that. You're actually missing out on an opportunity to partner together, to see the kingdom come, to see our church and our society flourish. And then downhill from that, that's when we reap the benefits. How me tell you, there's just really nothing better than when you have the opportunity to see someone else enjoy or grow from the gifts you bring. There's another picture, right, that that Paul uses elsewhere, which is that not only are we co-workers, but we're actually co-parts in a body. All called to do one work, he says. And he says that one part builds up the other. And there's joy in that. There's fruitfulness that comes as we do that. I love hearing stories that come out of uh, our kids' men on a Sunday morning. Like, one of my favorite things is when a teacher, like, comes out and you know they've been they've been wrestling with trying to get these kids to get a truth or to grow in some way and then they have that like breakthrough moment and they just come out and they're just so passionate and so excited about what's going on and you see the life that comes not from them receiving but from them giving to what God wants going on. To the breakthrough of the kingdom in that child's life. The same thing happens in our youth ministry. The same thing happens in a number of our adult ministries. These things that are going on. There's an invitation into something bigger. As you think about your relationship to the church, am I thinking about myself as a coworker? I'm called out to stand unique, to represent what God can do in me, but then I'm also called to get to work. But as we do that, Paul also gives another illustration. He uses this picture of, of a building being joined together in verse, the end of verse 20 and verse 21. Here, Paul gives this picture of this building that's joined together around Christ as the cornerstone. Now, I'm not much of a uh, bricklayer. I've done it a couple of times, but I have a really good friend who's a uh, uh, mason. And this is what he does for his living. And, and he has been able to tell me a little bit more about this term, cornerstone. The cornerstone should be the most perfect piece in a whole building. Perfectly angled, perfectly square, perfectly uh, prepared to handle the stress and burden of what's going on. And if you're building a, wa- a wall out of rock or, or stone or brick or whatever it may be, you find your cornerstone and it's the first thing you lay. And you put it down. And what that's good for is not just supporting the load, but directing the path. What the cornerstone is, is the representation of the building that is to come. And from there, if every brick and stone, even if it's not completely perfect like the cornerstone, is laid properly, what happens is a beautiful building can be built up. A perfect structure can happen if everything goes in line. Now, we've been told... That Christ is our cornerstone. That he's the one who shapes the corner that is perfect, that directs our path. And what we're meant to do together as a church is to be the bricks that fall in place and work together in supporting one another to help build up the beautiful structure that God's trying to build. But sometimes this goes wrong. And oftentimes the reason this goes wrong is because the bricks start to ask questions that they were never meant to ask. God comes in and he says, I'm going to call this brick out of this pile right here, and I'm going to place it this way right here, and that's what I want going on. And the brick below it and brick beside it goes, well, I'm not sure about the color pattern of that other brick. I'm not so sure about the shape of that rock. I don't really like the quarry where that one came from. I don't really like what this brick has to stand for because I see this wall from a little bit of a different angle and I know what's going on because I see the cornerstone and I got the view perfect. You know where I'm going with this because we've all been there, right? If we've been in the church for any amount of time, we all know the bricks Call out the other bricks, and in fact, if you're like me, you're one of the bricks who has been guilty of calling out some of the other bricks and rocks. One of the sad reasons why there's such a, a neglect and disconnect with the church is there's so much fighting that goes on rather than focusing on the cornerstone and being placed in the spot where we are and supporting. Those we have around us, we want to shove the other rocks off. We want things to look exactly as we picture. We want to only stand next to the other one that we like. the One that has the same color as us. The one that views the cornerstone from the same angle. The one who came from the same sort of background or really knows what's going on. But the problem is when we do that, we create cracks in the wall. And sadly, that is the reason why so many people walk out of the church. It's probably, in part, the reason, at least in some part of your story, why you've been frustrated with the relationships and what's going on. And so I think what we're invited into is something much different what maybe our natural disposition might be. You know, Jesus says, he says, you're going to know, people are going to know that you're my disciples, that you're my bricks, by your love for one another. Paul says we, as bricks, need to live at peace with everyone around us. I know that this pointing out of bricks and this frustration pushing against others has always been going on. And it will, to a degree, always go on forever because we're all imperfect people. But that's not what's supposed to go on. And sadly, it grieves my heart a lot that this is something that's really grown in our culture over the last couple of years. You can blame it on COVID. You can blame it on politics. You can blame it on the news. You can blame it on whatever you want. But the problem is that we've come to a place where we've valued our bricklaying over God's. And we've pushed against and we've done damage to the wall. Now, it's not irreparable. God is good. He's bigger than it all. God will place what he wants, place where he wants, place how he wants, place. We're told that even in the bad stuff, the goodness of God will shine through. But why are we creating that problem? Why are we not coming to a place where we help support one another? I'm not saying that means we have to agree on everything. I'm not saying that, that we don't have to be considerate of, of, of being careful about certain things. But what it means is that we have to stop fighting and being divisive and pushing against one another. Instead, we need to hold on. We ought to be more concerned with building our wall deeper and higher to reaching out further, to growing deeper than we are whether the thing next to us is marble, granite, or brick. Fourth, Paul gives us this picture of us being a dwelling. It says that as the wall is built up from the cornerstone, we're like a holy temple rising. And as that holy temple rises, that's the place where God comes to rest, where he comes to dwell by the presence of God. Of his spirit. Now we know that the Holy Spirit dwells in every person who follows Jesus. That's a truth that's from scripture. We're told that we are given the spirit of God to live in us, to reveal truth to us, to guide us, to give us wisdom, to challenge us, to convict us, to help us connect with God. But there's something that happens, and it's a mystery to me how it occurs but it's something we see clearly in Scripture. That as the people of God, all who come individually carrying the Holy Spirit, but as the people of God come together and work for God's purposes and support one another and see the beauty in the moments and in the lives of the people gathered round, there's something in that that God likes to dwell in. There's something when those things begin to align that say the 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 god maybe says to us and yeah this is where i now want to come and dwell i'm going to put my spirit into this moment i'm going to allow you to sense my tangible presence as you rise up as a holy temple because of what i've called you to this is the number one reason why I think people need to be in church as often as possible. You know, so often we, we sit and we feel robbed of our experience, but if we're willing, to be a part of what's going on, if we're willing to support others, if we're willing to reach out and and to get to know what God's doing, if we're willing to step into the work that God has called others to do, to to support them and join them in in where he's advancing the kingdom of God, we, we get to experience the Holy Spirit in a new way. We get to see God in a different light, maybe that we wouldn't have seen on our own. But we rob ourselves of it. Being part of the church shouldn't be a you should or feel guilty for not. It should instead be seen by us as an invitation from the divine. An invitation from the creator and the sustainer of the universe. The one who has called us out from our dismal mess of sin and destruction who has said, I'm going to build you in to my holy temple where I want to meet with you, with others. Church, there's such a great invitation that we rob ourselves of if we neglect ministering to one another, if we neglect praying with each other, of, of hearing each other sing, of, of serving our community together, of, of going out and meeting our, our neighbor who's, who's got that thing going on. Our relationship to our church is not our own. Because the church isn't just the place we come to get some gas, to disconnect, to get a little medicine. It's not just the place we come to get the program that we want. The church is a called out people who are called to gather, to experience the tangible presence of God. I hope this encourages you. An invitation into something better. A beautiful picture of what life can be. Are we going to get it perfect? No, we aren't. (laughs) Because we're all in process. The temple's not going to be fully built until Jesus returns. The the, the perfection of our humanity doesn't occur until until Jesus finishes the the, the process when we're in his presence. But there's an invitation into the process as we progress towards that. So can we commit to one another, to using our gifts to serve each other, to partner together in what we're doing in our community, to getting to know one another so that we can be the flow when someone else is ebbing, so that we can experience the presence of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word about what the church can be. And I know sometimes a church can be everything but that. And Lord, for that, I confess that sometimes I am a part of the problem. Sometimes I can be the the brick who pushes against you and against others. But Lord God, I I just want to step in to being a part of of what you invite us into. And God, as as a church, I think our, our general heart is to do that. God, I think that Everyone here in this room has a longing that's deeper for something more. And God, we thank you that you offer it to us. God, I pray that we wouldn't be people who would be afraid of stepping out and into the community because, Lord God, you've actually already called us out and you've placed us here. Lord, when we when we fail, when we when we ignore you, when we try to go our own way, when we try to push back against others, when we, We don't take time to to consider what others are doing lord god would you would you forgive us and and help us be right in that direction would you remind us of the angles of you as our cornerstone so that we can come in line with the holy temple that you are building god i want to see so many people just on fire for you we want to have just such a depth of passionate worship such a of vibrancy and effectiveness in our prayers, Lord. We want to see our our community go from, from being negligibly connected to you to being just fully in love with you. God, would you help us to pursue this vision of your coming kingdom here in Abbotsford as it is in heaven? Would you help us to see the breakthrough? Would you help us to encourage one another as these things go on? And God, we're reminded that you have been doing this for, for thousands of years. And you will continue to do it till you come again. So God, would that be an encouragement to us? That this will continue to be built because it's you who does it. That the gates of hell will not prevail against your church because you hold it strong. We look forward to seeing more of you and what you can do. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.